Welcome to the Tej Talks Podcast. Forget the property celebrities. We speak to relatable people with fascinating journeys, just like you. Hosted by Tej Singh, we bring you new stories, life-changing deals, and expert advice every week. Communication. Communication. What are we talking about here? Or how are we talking about it? On today's episode, we have Rob. Now, Rob McFun is going to talk about communication. So welcome to the Test Talks podcast. I kind of did that intro backwards, didn't I? Like YouTube, where you show a bit of the video, you do an intro and you carry on. Rob is a, a master of communication. He has an interesting background, a varied background, one must say. And we really gave some actionable and practical tips today on how to communicate better. Now, we all think we're really good communicators. I'm very guilty of that until your partner says, no, you're bloody not. So for me, you know, I ask questions that I think you want to know in particular about property networking, which is something that a lot of us, you know, can get anxiety about and, you know, can be nervous about. And I asked, well, how do we kind of approach this situation? How do we make it easier? And how do we communicate better? So these tips in here are for everyone, no matter how experienced you are in life, in property, in making cheese, whatever. If you're an experienced cheesemaker, then hit me up. It doesn't matter because there is always something we can learn. And some of these tips are are really obvious, you know, really simple. And you might have read them in books like, you know, Never Split the Difference and things like that. But the more you hear them, the more you do them, the more important they become. And we also talk about the power of silence. See what I did there? Hey, remember, me and Uncle James have got a new event taken over the London scene. Thepropertyevent.co.uk Sign up, come to our events twice a month. That's correct. Twice a month and our venue is funky. See you soon. Go get my books on Amazon as well. Rob, welcome to the Tej Talks podcast. Hi, it's great to be here and thank you very much for inviting me. And um, it's great to be here from a very warm but slightly overcast East Riding of Yorkshire up in the north of uh, England. Lovely, yeah. It's it's pretty warm and sort of miserable in, in the south, but yeah, pretty grey. But hopefully, our conversations are going to be a lot more colourful than that. Uh, and and that's kind of what we're talking about today is is talking really because you are you know very experienced in well quite a few things which we're about to discover. But our particular focus today is going to be the, the name of your your company or your offering, which is you know perfecting conversations, and that's how us as property investors, but also I suppose more broadly as people can improve our communication skills. And and there's a million and one reasons why, you know, communication is important and, and we'll get to that. But before we go into that and, you know, you're going to give the people some real tangible tips here, you know, that they can implement now. Tell us a little bit about your background and your history and then I suppose how you got into doing this. <laughs> Um, it's an interesting one. I suppose we all feel that we're unique and, and our experience is unique. But mine basically is that um, at a very early age, I joined the police force, um, as I say, in the north of England and became a police officer. And as a result of that, obviously, I was on the streets and basically dealing with volatile and very tense situations and <laughs> some very volatile conversations. And you had to. I had to learn to speak. I had to learn to 
uh, basically control my emotions, uh, influence the emotions of other people, and basically diffuse situations so that we could then have a reasonable conversation. And after 20 years of, of basically doing that, I was fortunate enough to go into training and and started to train other officers in in how to control their emotion, uh, emotions and challenge their attitudes and behaviours and deal with people because at the end of the day whatever we do in life we are dealing with with people and I'll come back to that um, when we talk about property um, so I I was very fortunate that I went into training and realised that I actually had a, a skill set for that and thoroughly thoroughly enjoyed doing it and there's a big tip. If you do what you enjoy doing and you usually become quite good at it. And um, but part of that training was also training officers in interviewing techniques. Now, that was interviewing of witnesses, interviewing of suspects and, and interviewing of victims. And often, as you can imagine, some of those people didn't want to give you any information or the information they gave you was quite sparse. Or So you needed to build rapport engage with the people and get information out of them, which is similar to a negotiation, if you think about it. And again, we'll come on to that. So I spent many, many years in training and uh, training officers in interview techniques and, and how to deal with volatile situations. And I was fortunate enough to go through the ranks and, and ended up being the learning and development manager for the force and dealing with leadership and management as well. And realized that a lot of the techniques that I'd developed over the years applied as well to having conversations in the workplace. And so I basically developed a, a model, which is the perfecting, as it is now, it's been refined because obviously you continue, everybody continues to grow. It's the perfecting conversation model based around PER, which is three phases. Um, I'll come on to that again in, in a moment. But basically, I developed that model and then retired from the police after 34 years and that was about 13 years ago and uh, played around at different things in, in, in business. So I actually qualified as a, a clinical hypnotherapist at one stage. But then um, for because we had a strong reason why, which was my partner was still in the police and we wanted to replace her wages, we looked around for something to do with that. And I'd always fancied property and a lot of my colleagues had been involved in property and I realised that it was good for income. Um, I don't believe in the phrase of passive income, but I do believe in that it gives you a great income for the amount of effort that you need to put in. So my partner and I went on a, a, a training course. We trained, I thought if we're going to do it, we're going to do it properly. And we went into property. We managed to replace my partner's wages in 12 months based on our knowledge and the resources that we had at the time, as a result of which she resigned from the police about eight years ago and, and has not been in the fortunate position that she's never had to go back to work since. But I realised that all my previous knowledge and experience in the police of coaching and training and facilitating learning people, I now could bolt on the new knowledge that I gained in property. And I became a, a coach and a mentor for that national training provider. And I also now have my own private clients. So over the years, I've managed to coach hundreds of people in property. And it's fascinating, really fascinating taste that how often it comes back to the conversation we have is about the conversation they're having, either they're frightened to go to estate agents or they're 
don't know what to say to a potential investor who wants to come on board, or they're concerned about blowing the deal with the seller. So often we go through my model, PER, the three-phase model, and I give them ideas, tips, and strategies on how to approach that conversation that they're going to have. Um, And as a result of it, a significant number have been very successful. Mm. What an interesting and yeah, what an interesting history you've had, which, which leads you to today and, and yeah, talking about conversations. Now, you know, before we look at your model, do you think that, you know, us as humans, our communication has got better, you know, from when you kind of first started? Or do you think that, I don't know, things like social media and, and this instant kind of generation and technology has maybe decreased our ability to communicate. What do you think? I think it's a big subject and I don't want to take up the whole of the time with that. But basically, <laughs> I, I think you, 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 you're alluding to the fact that social media, people not actually talking to each other at dinner times and lunch times and not actually conversing other than through social media or through email is de-skilling people in the ability to have a conversation where emotions might be involved and we always like to think of ourselves Ted, as being logical creatures that every now and again become emotional but Dale Carnegie said we're actually full of prejudices and emotions we're emotional people first and what we actually do is over they overlay that with logic. If you, a great book to read is The Chimp Paradox by Dr. Stephen Peters, that basically says our emotional side of our brain is much stronger and acts much quicker than our logical side. So I do feel that we are losing the skill to communicate. And one of the issues I have is people will say, well, I can communicate. I communicate all the time. And I go, well, do you consider yourself a driver? So a lot of people think of themselves as driver and they just go, actually, when you analyze it, they get in the car and they drive from home to work or home to the shops or home to the social engagement. And that's the full extent of their driving. In fact, that's why electric cars are going to be so popular because the vast majority, 80 to 90% of people's journeys are below 20 to 25 miles. So people think they can drive, but actually mastering the skill of driving means that you can drive a variety of vehicles. It means that you can go into a variety of situations, such as at nighttime or on a motorway or on a country road. You can drive at speed or you can drive slowly. You can drive through, you know, you can uh, drive through ice and snow and rain. All of those need mastering before you can actually say, I'm a great driver. And it's the same with communication because we communicate every single day. The danger is that we think we're good at it. And it's like any other skill, in order to master it, you need to practice it, plan it, practice it, look back and reflect. And part of my model is reflection. That's where the R comes in. One of the R's is reflection. Because we're so good at blaming everybody else for when things go wrong, we're not so good at actually internalizing things and saying, what actually, what did I do? What did I? What could I do differently? I lost that deal. If there are no deals out there, if people think there are no deals out there, but other people are getting deals, you've got to look at back at yourself and say, well, why are they getting them and I'm not, instead of just blaming other factors and other things. So, yeah, I do believe that communication is a, is an art and it and it needs to be mastered. And uh, the CEO of Star or the ex-CEO of Starbucks said, you know, we are not in the business of serving coffee to people. 
We're not in the business of serving coffee to people. We are in the business of serving people with coffee. We're in the business of serving people with coffee. So we are in a people business. So everybody is in a people business and property is no different. You are going to have to deal with people. And that means dealing with their emotions and your emotions, how you're feeling, how you're feeling at the time and, and what they're going through. So communication is a really key part of being able to manage your emotions and influence theirs. Yeah. I really like that, that driving comparison there. It really got me thinking like, yeah, that is, that is true. You know, just because you do something every day does not mean that you'll ever master it unless you actually are trying to master it and understand how to. And, you know, the part about emotions as well. Again, I think because we think we're so logical when we communicate, I think sometimes we can forget about the emotional aspect, ours and theirs. Because we think, well, we're all logical, so let's be logical, and then it'll all be good, and then it doesn't happen because, you know, <laughs> we're emotional creatures. And yeah, that is a fantastic book. So let's dive into your model. Tell us all about your model. Um, I, I realise that um, people often go into a conversation and just wing it. They basically think they know it, so they, they wing it. Uh, and by that, I mean thinking on the feet. And that takes actually more skill than planning and preparing something. So the first part of the model is P, which is plan, prepare, and, and practice. And again, I was chatting to somebody I, I was mentoring the other day, and he said, oh, I use your book. I've got two books out, one on property and the other one on dealing with conflict in the workplace. And he was talking about the workplace one. He said, I use your book all the time, he said, because one of the things you've said in the book is we all think about conversations before we have them, but actually planning and preparing them is a totally different thing. Um, and, you know, we'll go into it in a bit bit deeper but bring me back to the sort of tesco's analogy of, of shopping for planning and prepping so the first part of the model is plan prepare and practice before the conversation even takes place think about things and then plan it and prepare it the second phase of the model is e which is engage build rapport find common ground and then engage and then engage, after engage comes explore and explore is the asking the right questions in the right way, understanding open questions, close questions, leading questions, multiple questions, and understanding all the different question types. And also with exploring, understanding silence, which is something I want to talk to you about as well. Understanding what effective listening actually means. It's not just listening to the words, it's listening to the meaning behind the words. Anybody in a long term relationship realizes that their partner says things, but they don't actually mean what they're saying. You know, um, quick story on that. My wife for her 30th birthday, and she's never let me forget it. I said, What do you want for your 30th birthday? And she said, Nothing. And on the morning of her 30th birthday, guess what she got? <laughs> And she looked at me and she went, nah, come on, where's where's my present? And I went, no, nah, no, you said you wanted nothing. And she went, no, nah, seriously, you, kept, you are kidding me. And I went, no, you said nothing. So that's 20 years ago, and I still <laughs> have never lived it down. Um, she obviously got a present soon after that. But so Explore is about really understanding the meaning behind the words as well and checking them out, clarifying and you know, um, we, we had a, a phrase in policing called ABC of policing, which was assume nothing, believe nobody and, and check everything. So ABC, assume nothing, believe nobody and check everything. Now, that's not to suggest everybody's a liar. It's just that they're telling you their perception of the truth. 
And that's an interesting phrase in itself. And then R is resolve, resolve whatever that conversation is going to come to. And it might be that you say, you know, I need to go away and do some research on the information that you give me and I'll get back to you. That's resolve that particular conversation. Then reflect, which I've already alluded to, and then refine. Because they say that 10,000 hours of of doing the same thing will make you perfect. That's not strictly speaking true. 10,000 hours of reflecting and refining Practicing, reflecting, and refining, that's what makes you perfect. So, and, and not even perfect, actually, it just makes it permanent. So, the reality is the reflection phase is very, very important. So, in a nutshell, that's the, the model. So, plan, prepare, practice, engage, explore, evolve, because things evolve as well. I said, sorry, I missed out after explore, there's evolve, which is basically I go in thinking somebody's looking to sell their house. And in actual fact, when I've explored it and started asking the questions and the right questions and picking up on their nonverbal communication and picking up on their true meaning, I realized that actually they don't need to sell the house. They just want to get rid of the hassle. So as you and me know, that starts to open up the corridor then to other strategies such as purchase lease options or lease options or rent to rents or assisted sales and things. So understanding what their true need is that's where that conversation has now evolved from me thinking i'm buying a property to actually adopting a a different strategy so it's evolved so engage explore and evolve and then as i say resolve reflect and refine so that's it in a nutshell and that that's what's in the book and that's what i lead you through in in the book that's i really like that because you know all of those elements i think we don't think about them in conversations whether it's before conversation or planning it or during a conversation and and we don't really split them up into those things but I think by structuring it you know which of course you know by structuring it it breaks it down and then makes it easier for us to get better at communicating but also analyze you know previous communications and say well why did it go that way and, and why did it go this way so you know in terms of communication well I suppose in life you know first impressions uh, are everything is is the saying and there's obviously many sayings about that when it comes to you know communicating you know uh, what kind of advice can you give to people on making a good first impression whether it's with an estate agent whether it's with someone at a networking event which a lot of people struggle with you know any tips on yeah sort of communicating for that first impression um I think it's about planning and preparing. If I'm going to a networking meeting or if I'm going to an estate agent, I want to know what a realistic outcome for that evening is. And, and for example, somebody once said to me, what do you do when you get blanked by estate agents? And I said, I don't understand the question because I've never been blanked by an estate agent because I don't actually walk in to get a deal. The second I walk through that door, I go actually into the conversation to start a relationship. I'm looking for long-term relationships with people. And it's the same with with um, networking. It's not about you. It's not about coming out there with a load of business cards or coming out with a load of potential deals or potential investors. You're putting too much pressure on yourself there. It's about just going in there, relaxing and thinking, okay, let's create a first impression. Creating a first impression is as simple as being present, And by that, I mean, basically approaching somebody like yourself and saying, hi, Tej, you know, great to meet you. How have you got here tonight? What's your interest in property or what's your interest in this meeting? What brings you to this meeting? Start asking questions about them and being interested in 
them. So be curious. Be curious about them because then you'll find common ground. And as soon as we all like people who are like ourselves. So if we can find some common ground, we can have a quick chat. I mean, people call it small talk. And I actually, you know, we're British, so we do like a bit of small talk. As soon as I came onto this podcast, the first thing I did was actually broach the weather from sunny East Riding of Yorkshire. You know, so it was to give a bit of a flavour to the podcast rather than just straight into, yeah, I'm Rob McFun and that's what I'm here to talk about. You know, so um, first impressions, smile. It sounds, you know, Tage, it sounds so basic and so simple, but it's amazing because you're nervous, because you're thinking your head's going 10 to the dozen, you forget some of the basic things. Just relax and think, right, I'm going into an estate agent, so I'm going into a networking meeting to make connections. That's what I'm here for, to make a connection. You know, I going into an estate agent, it's about, hi, I'm Rob McFun. Um, I'm looking to invest in the area. I've got a portfolio of property at the moment, but I'm looking to expand my portfolio. Um, I, I'd like you to help me do that. So basically, is that okay with you? I can see you're busy at the moment. Can we arrange a time to have a, a better chat and a coffee or something like that? You know, I'm not going in there and go, oh, have you got any three bedroom, two recepts? I'm looking for HMOs. I'm an investor. You know, it switches people off. It's a, we all like to connect and you connect through being curious about them by finding common ground, by exploring that common ground to a degree. It's about smiling. It's about, we like touch. Be very careful. There are cultural differences with, with touch. But, you know, prior to COVID, I would have said, shake hands. Um, I'm not into one of these people who said, oh, make it a very firm handshake. Make sure you overpower them or make sure it's them. Just, you know, be natural, be authentic. That's one of the massive tips, you know, on top of all this is I'm not asking you to be something you're not. I want you to be authentic and be genuine. And people will relate to that. People want to deal with genuine people. So touch is important. So basically lean forward. It shows you're interested. So smile lean forward, make good eye contact without it being overbearing, put your hand out. Now, during these COVID days, I actually make a bit of a joke of it. If somebody reaches out to shake my hand, I go put my elbow forward or I put my fist forward to do just to make a bit of it. So we end up having a little tiny mini dance, you know, (laughs) about are we going to shake hands? Are we going to fist bump? Are we going to, you know, and immediately you've broken a bit of the ice, because you've got that bit of humour, because humour is great for breaking breaking eggs. And have an introduction ready, who you are, what you're about, so that you can introduce yourself in a credible way. And guess what? That comes back to planning and preparing and practising. Practice it. You know, I was mentoring somebody who was struggling with estate agents. I said, right, run me through your 90-second, two-minute introduction Okay, we worked on it, we worked on it, we worked on it, we practiced it, we practiced it, and then we went out into the into the high street and, and went into some estate agents and he did it off pat, not robotic, it was genuine, he sounded authentic. Um and you've probably noticed without me manipulating that I've used your name a few times. Mm-hmm. And I think it's really important to get people's names, give them your name, and then as soon as you get their name, start to use it. For two reasons, 
you've got a name for a reason. It, I, then it means I've listened to you. Well, several reasons. It means I've listened to you. I've picked up on what your name is. It means I'm respecting you by using your name. And it's reinforcing your name in my subconscious. So it's easier for you to, re- to remember it in the future. So using the name is, is very important. And then, as I say, be curious, ask questions, find common ground, explore that common ground slightly, then find if there's any synergy. So let's stick with networking, for example, is there any synergy? I love talking. You've probably gathered already in the podcast. <laughs> I love, love talking. And my when I first uh, went into business, I my networking I thought was fantastic. And the truth was, on reflection, it was rubbish because I was not actually getting any quality leads. I was not actually making any connections. I was just having a great chat. Thanks very much. I was having a fantastic evening meeting some wonderful people, but people who couldn't actually help me with my business. So, you know, be careful that you are going to a networking meeting or so be plan and prepare what it is you want. Tonight, I'm going to meet, I want to meet three people. I want to arrange a Zoom coffee or a Skype coffee or whatever it is with two or three people this evening in order to move things forward so that you can circulate on the night, get around the room and basically meet a number of people rather than just spending the whole evening with one person having a fantastic chat quite a lot in there and um, but hopefully that gives you an idea of where the planning and prep come and practice comes in yeah definitely i think well you know listening to the different points you were giving in my head it was kind of ticking off with i suppose what i have learned to do kind of at networking events and what i see other people doing and and i suppose when you when you practice and prep and you've done it you know x many times you've been to so many events you then start to notice sometimes other people doing it and it's it's interesting. It's like when you know a sales technique, you can kind of spot it when someone's doing it on you, you know, unless you're in love with the car and then you're just like, yeah, you can sell me anything. Um, but yeah. I think, you know, the, the point about smiling as well got me thinking because, uh, you know, every time I like publicly speak and do like a presentation, I've noticed I kind of laugh to myself like kind of like and I probably look like a weirdo in the corner just laughing at like nothing, <laughs> nothing. but I realized that little laugh just shifts and, and my whole like physiology it just changes how I feel from my stomach to my head and it puts me in a position to then go from kind of not I don't get nervous with public speaking because I love it but being in a position where you're kind of like normal it puts you in a sort of fun mood which you can then turn into seriousness so I think people you know, the smile point is so so important even on the phone right you can you can kind of hear a smile or you can hear the difference so i think these tips are amazing not just for face-to-face things um but also for phone calls i mean even standing up you know when you're on the phone can make a difference to your voice and you know when you're recording videos for social media so rob these tips are you know for everyone listening these are not just for networking or for estate agents this is for life like this will work in every single kind of um face of life now you know can i just pick up on that test what you've what you have actually done and this is uh, from my hypnotherapy training and from my background is that little tiny routine that you have of smiling inwardly to yourself is actually giving you confidence mm. and what you've done is anchored that feeling what's known as anchored that feeling of confidence and again we go into that into the book to a degree and that's where the practice phase comes in if you're not a particularly confident person at networking or not particularly confident about picking up that phone to estate agents or letting agents or sellers or not particularly confident about going into those offices you need to plan 
and prepare and then practice it. And part of practicing is what's known as anchoring confidence in yourself. So you can have a, you know, we call it superstition or you call it routines or you call it, you know, call it whatever you want. But what you're actually doing is anchoring in yourself a feeling of confidence. And that can be done externally. You can do that deliberately by anchoring a confident um, feeling in yourself and then having a trigger for that confidence. And your trigger is your little internal smile. You might not have realized that's what you're doing, but that's in effect what we're doing. You know, you have people who, sports people who don't shave for a tournament or what they're doing is anchoring confidence. And one of the worst routines you'll ever watch is uh, Rafa Nadal before every single serve goes through exactly the same routine every single time. Mm. It's a, it's quite a lengthy routine, but you watch it. I'll, I'll probably spoil people's tennis now but when they, when they watch they'll see he goes through exactly pulls his shirt up in exactly the same place i won't graphically tell you but basically he adjusts his shorts in a certain place you know and he, but he does that every every single serve because he's anchoring confidence in his anchor and he's getting rid of the last serve he's getting rid of the last thing so you can do exactly the same in order to boost your confidence going into situations and conversations by by anchoring confidence i actually have a little tiny uniform believe it or not it anchors i basically when i'm doing presentations i have a very nice watch i wear um green uh, items of clothing to a certain not not gaudy but but green you can do the same you can think right this is my outfit for going to do house viewings or to meet potential investors and it might be a different outfit what it's actually doing is anchoring confidence because I do believe in terms of fake it till you make it. What that means is, look, if you want to perform like a property developer, if you want to perform like a successful investor, you need to start to believe it, you know, in yourself. And part of that belief mechanism is is having a, a routine and a uniform and, and, and things like that. They all, all help you. It sounds a bit like pseudoscience, but it does all work, you know. I can, I can definitely attest that it works. You know, I like when I go networking, when I'm public speaking, I have a certain aftershave. I wear a watch, which I, I don't ever really wear watches. I have, you know, my infamous yellow, but like, I, I, know. I can see that. Yeah. <laughs> You've got your hoodie on now. I can see that yeah, on your picture. Yeah. Yeah. My, my, yeah. My subtle, my subtle yellow. Um, but I know when I put that on, it puts me in the zone, but I never wear that to go to Tesco's. I never wear that, you know, because I just, it actually, put, I'm like, oh, this is not the mood. Like, this is not networking. This yeah. is not public speaking. I'm going to Tesco's. I'm wearing my slob clothes. Like, this is like different. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it makes a big difference. And I, and, and so you know, and that's part again of the planning and preparation. And I did say, remind me about the Tesco shopping. And, and the analogy I use about planning and prepping is how many times have, have you gone into a shop thinking I need milk and bread, and you that's all you really need, and you come out with chocolate, wine, uh, and something else and the thing that you actually went in for you've forgotten (laughs) because you thought you knew what you wanted and that's exactly the same with some conversations we think we know what we want from them we think we know what how to run it we think we know how to manage it but thinking but then plan and the way to overcome coming out of tesco's without the wrong thing of course is having a shopping list you know so planning and preparation have a shopping list. It's the same with the conversation. And what I find actually fascinating is I talk to some of my coaches at times and my mentees and say, you know, oh, I'm, they'll say, oh, I've got great contact. I met them at a networking meeting. I'm meeting them for coffee. 
in you know and, and and the canned meat for coffee now basically so i'd say right okay what do you want as an outcome from the meeting well i want you know i want them to be an investor well actually we've got to start building rapport before that we've got to start building credibility we've had so how are you going to go into that conversation and build credibility with them show them that you're professional show them that you've got experience show them that you're worth investing with so basically i find it fascinating that some people will spend more time planning a holiday they'll go into travel agents they'll get travel brochures they'll go on trip advisor they'll check out hotels they'll ask friends and family have they been they'll do far more due diligence going on holiday for a fortnight than they will going to meet a potential investor that might invest tens of thousands of pounds with them or they'll do more due diligence than going and meeting a seller or an estate agent to build a relationship so they can actually make a significant profit on purchasing a house it's just fascinates me that people will spend more time planning and preparing for a holiday than for that will apply the same criteria and you know what due diligence can i do before i even meet this person you know yeah and it does make a difference i you know just from like anecdotal experience speaking to people when i've prepared and speaking when i haven't and even when people speak to me that i know they've prepared or they haven't it just makes such a shift and i think you know, meeting someone and then maybe slightly realizing, oh, you've looked me up, you've done this, you've done that. It's kind of flattering for them as well. So maybe it adds another level to this communication of respect or kind of, um, yeah, time and effort into meeting someone who just thinks, hey, I'm just a normal human, but whoa, you've done half an hour looking me up and stuff. So I think there's levels there. I think it's brilliant. I think, you know, at the end of the day, we talked about social media early on. You know, let's look at it from a positive point of view as well. Um, there's some negative aspects to it, but the positive is that you've never had as much information at your fingertips as you have today. So, you know, I can check you out on LinkedIn, on Facebook, on Instagram. I can see whether, you know, somebody I'm going to meet has put some racist, sexist or homophobic posts on and immediately think, oh, well, actually, I don't want to do business with that person. Yeah. You know, so a, a massive tip from this is check your own social media and make sure there isn't anything on there that's unprofessional. You being out at three in the morning, get absolutely, you know, sloshed or taking some drugs or whatever and then go and expect to meet a professional and and ask them to lend you a hundred thousand pound you know if they're going to do those checks then basically it'll come out now i'm not saying don't be you know don't be yourself i do you know think you should be authentic but just then accept responsibility if you walk into an estate agent you know slovenly wearing a you know death metal t-shirt and then you know i know in this day and age people say well you should you know we're in 2021 rob you know people should accept people should be more tolerant should be more well i get what you're saying but accept responsibility then for the outcomes that you get because actually people do judge characters do judge people by what they wear what they say and how they look whether we like it or not whether we accept it or not that's the reality of the matter. Yeah, I think we should be more like that. But as sort of so Dale Carnegie or, or, you know, even the, the chimp paradox, we all have these prejudices. We all have these views that are made before we can even logically, you know, override them. They're made. Yeah. So, you know, like first impressions count. And yeah, uh, you know, I think there's obviously certain limits and, and whatnot. But yeah, if you're accepting responsibility is a big part of 
doing what you want to do in every aspect of of um of business now another thing which you know this may apply more to public speaking than conversation but you know I'll let you um sort of you know answer this one is what about this might be quite technical but you know when you're public speaking you pause for yeah. effect or yeah. you kind of raise your intonation or you lower it or you slow down or you go really fast to kind of, you know, keep people engaged. And, you know, would you say those sort of what I would call more technical elements of like speaking or vocalization are important in these kind of conversations? hundred percent. I think it's exactly the same. And, you know, that is about the connection and, and, you know, I've, I've coined a phrase, the six second silence. And I used the six second silence the other day in negotiation with uh, my partner likes doing triathlon. And we, uh, we went to buy, we bought her a new bike and we wanted to part exchange her existing uh, road bike. And we'd agreed. We said, right, okay, how much do you want? What you're looking for, et cetera, before we even went into the shop. And we were happy with 750 to, to 800 pounds. And I use the six-second silence. Nobody likes silence. So basically, we said, okay, so how much are you willing to give us for the impart exchange? And he looked and he's like, well, how much do you, you know, I, I knew he was going to say the next thing, which is, well, how much do you want? You know, and it's like, well, I'm not going to give a figure. I want you to give me the figure. So basically, living with the silence is very, very difficult. But actually, once you master the technique, it is amazing how powerful it is. Don't use it too often because it can become oppressive. The danger is, Tens, that what we do is we listen in order to respond rather than listening in order to understand. Watch people. They lean forward. They get in conversation. They're finishing each other's sentences. They're actually planning their answer before they've even uh, heard the response from the other person. So active listening and pausing at the end and listening and digesting what people have said is a vital aspect of communication. Communication is not actually, it's not all about talking. It's actually more about listening to understand than it is listening to respond. And so we use a six second silence and basically he sort of looked at us and I sort of said, well, these are the, this is Nicola's bike. You know, it's been well looked after. You serviced it all the time. Uh, it's a gent's bike, so it'll sell very easily. It won't, you know, you'll be able to move it on very quickly in this climate. You know, the bike that we've bought is a lady's bike. You know, it won't go as quickly. It's a good, you know, this, that. So I pointed out the advantages and disadvantages and then just looked at him. And he wanted me to fill that silence and I wouldn't fill that silence. And he just looked and we, and I just didn't fill it. And people like to don't like silences, so they'll have a tendency to fill it with information. So I'll come back to that in a second. But basically, he said, "Well, would a thousand pound be all right?" You know, and we went, <laughs> "Yeah, I suppose that'll do. That'll be great." Now, I, you know, I could have at that point thought, "Well, actually, if he's offering me a thousand, why don't I go for eleven hundred? But Let's go back to what I said, um, and I've said several times during the podcast. For me, life's about relationships. We have a relationship with that, that guy in that shop. He, he services our bikes. He gives us good deals on things, etc. So it isn't about me on that particular negotiation, trying to get as much money out of him as I can. It's me being happy, 
him being happy and us going forward. So a thousand was more than, you know, happy for us. I didn't want to sort of, oh, okay, if he's offering me a thousand, maybe I can go for 1,050 or 1,100. It was like, no, I'm very comfortable with that. That seems a fair deal to me. That's great. Oh, by the way, we'd like you to do this as well. So he's happy now because as well, he's given us a great deal for the bike. But, you know, so living with a silence, six second silence, try it. You know, it's difficult to do. It's very difficult to do and watch it. And people, when you're in negotiation, what tends to happen, if you ask a question and don't answer straight away, this is a tip from interviewing techniques, people will then think, will think one of several things. Obviously, you're not a mind reader, but they'll think, what's wrong? Why isn't he answering or why isn't she answering? What have I done wrong? Have I not given enough information? Have I given too much information? And But they will fill it. And it's often with new information that you've not even asked them that they will fill that with. And so I was mentoring somebody and we went in to do a viewing. And uh, before we went in, he said, oh, uh, just by the way, he said, I know you're into communication and all that lot, but I'm an ex-teacher. I really know about communication. And so that's not really an area for me that I need to work on. So, you know, just thought I'd mention that. We went in, we started off, he didn't get the name, he didn't. Uh, shake hands he didn't find common ground so rightly or wrongly I started to take over the conversation and started talking to the viewing agent whatever and we walked out and as we walked out he went well I thought I could communicate but that took it to a whole new level and I said what did you mean and he went because you got so much information out of her she didn't even know she was giving that information but you did it in a way that it didn't sound like you were asking questions, you know? And and mm-hmm. so it, because it making communication conversational as well, you draw people in and she was telling us how many offers it had, what the offers were, you know, information we shouldn't really have had. You know, it's impossible, isn't it, to get something out of an agent saying, oh, so what offers you had and what were they? Well, you know, I can't tell you that. Well, you know, I was just like, oh, you know, no, this is not a bad little place, is it? You know, and, and here's another tip for, for people as well. The house is going nowhere. Yeah, you can have a look at the house. Yes, view the house. And it's important to understand the structural issues. It's understand, you know, understand what you might want to develop it into. But it's going nowhere. You can always view that house again or again or again. Creating that first impression, building that relationship with the viewing agent or the letting agent, the estate agent or the seller, you are not going to get loads of attempts at that. If you spoil that relationship, you will spoil it. So for me, it's about focusing on being curious, finding common ground, building rapport, building professionalism with the individual, building that relationship because the house is going nowhere. I can look at the house. I can look at pictures of the house. I can then work, go away and work out what I might do with it, what I'm going to do with the floor plans, whether it's got Japanese not weed, whether it's got subsidence, what I might do about that. That's just that's there, isn't it? It's never moved. But the movable feast is that relationship with the person you deal with. So I've got a great system. Nikki, my partner, comes with me. She does the house viewing. I do the talking. Then we have a system where I shut up (laughs) and Nikki takes over because the danger is as well that I can talk us into deals and I can talk us out of deals as well. (laughs) And I've learned that from reflection. So now we have a system. So, you know, um, Again, we plan and prepare it before we even go. I like that. And I love what you said about 
you know, the, the agent versus the physical house, because I, I've said this so much to people. And I think, you know, when you're starting out, you potentially, you know, tend to spend more time on the house because you kind of don't know what you're doing. And you're like, ah, this could cost me a lot of money. Um, <clears> but you know, I found that certainly over time and the more and more I did, the more I knew about houses, whether that was through viewings or just through education, whatever it was, you know, I would spend 80% of my time on that agent. Cause I'd walk in and say, okay, yeah, this is a 15 grand refurb, right? Agent, let's, let's create something here. Let's, let's build this relationship. So yeah, that's super important. And actually, yeah, having two people and, and one being the communicator and one not, I mean, yeah, that, that just makes like perfect sense. So that is, yeah, I think that those are some really good tips there. Um, you know, stuff that people can, go away today and start implementing. And and the, the six second silence is, I love the silence because in my head, I'm laughing because I know how awkward people get. So in my head, I'm just laughing. And then later on, I laugh about it because like you said, it works. And especially, you know, culturally in England, it's like people don't sort of want to be awkward or stand there in silence. And it, it just... I love the silence. It's so powerful. And sometimes you see people like scrambling in their head and they're just, yeah, yeah I'm taking too much pleasure from it. But um... <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like it to me, Ted. It sounds like it to me. But I mean, the, the, and I come back to what I said at the beginning, to be quite honest, of, of when I talked about silence is be careful. It is powerful. Mm. It's more powerful than you, you know. So don't use it too much manipulatively. I'm talking about being authentic. Mm. I'm talking about, you know, using it um deliberately but making sure that you're not being oppressive with it we had a i worked with a colleague who used it so oppressively he was known as the ice man um <laughs> because he just wouldn't shift you know he would be mobile and you know live with the silence it could have been a minute it could have been six minutes never mind about six seconds um but yeah that that was oppressive so yeah very 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 powerful and and you know ask a question be interested in the answer listen to it and then check it out, you know? So, and I, and I do what's known as, um, I call it chunking. So basically I might ask a question like, you know, is there a mortgage on the property? And if the answer's no, move on. If the answer's yes, I know in my brain, I've got a little tiny filing cabinet, if you like, that says, right, there's another five or six questions you're going to ask now automatically. So is there a mortgage on the property? Yes. Okay. Is it repayment? Is it interest only? How long is there to run? What's the monthly payment? Are there any arrears? Are there any loans outstanding against the property? Now, I'm not saying you rattle them off like I've just done in this podcast, but I know that my brain, I need to get all the information because, again, I know there's some new people on the podcast and, and for them, they need to might need to research what a purchase lease option is. But in order to understand whether I can do a purchase lease option, I need to understand the problems and the issues that the seller has and whether the conditions are right for me to do a purchase lease option. And that can only be done by finding out all the mortgage conditions, by finding out you know, what sort of mortgage he's got on it. You know, if I'm going to turn a, a, a residential house into a, a buy to let, then I need to understand whether we can convert the mortgage and things like that, because there are things to consider. So if we are problem solvers, which I think we are personally, you know, I'm a problem solver and I solve people's problems around their housing and their house, then I need to understand what the problem is. And in order to do that, I need to ask questions and then check out the answers that I'm getting. 
you know so if somebody says oh yeah i'd like the cash okay what are you going to do with the cash then again you've got to because you you know make it conversational all right Mark. okay yeah well that's a nice bit of cash what are you going to do with that then do you see i can make it conversational so it doesn't sound like a spanish inquisition or an interrogation you know that's the real skill that's the real mastering of communication is that turning it into um you know into a conversational style definitely um rob look this is this has been fantastic and i've i've learned and relearned a lot and it's it it's so good to go through these things because it helps us in every single aspect of our lives, whether it's writing an email or talking to an estate agent, talking to our partner, talking to our kids, it's, this is just, it permeates everything we do. I mean, communication is, is how you build a business. It's how you fail a business. It's how you do really well in it. It's, it's everything. So this has been a, a really, really important podcast. But before we wrap up, do you think there's something that I haven't asked you or anything you want to share with the listeners as a final closing thought? I think don't underestimate. And I say this to a lot of people come to something new like property, for example, that those people who are starting out of, you know, only been doing it for 12 months or whatever. They think, oh, I don't know anything. I don't know anything about property. It's going to be obvious to the estate agent or the letting agent. And what I spend a lot of time with people is saying, actually, you've got a lot of life skills. You've learned a lot over the you know the course of your life on how to talk to people, how to communicate with people. Just build on those strengths that you've already got. All you're doing is actually approaching something new, and all you need to do is get the knowledge on that. The skill set you've already got, potentially. All you need to do is probably hone it and develop it and now apply it into property. And so many people think they're brand new at property when in actual fact they've already been successful at running another business or they're successful at work, they're a team leader or they're a supervisor or they're a customer service person or whatever. You know, they've already established themselves in other areas of their life of being successful. And what they're not doing is when they first approach properties, think, well, I just need to, you know, that transfers across. That skill set, that attitude can transfer across I don't need to, you know, I went into estate agents and I was brand new in property. I had no properties whatsoever, but I knew I'd been a police officer. I knew I knew how to talk to people. I knew I would be able to speak to tenants. I knew I would be able to converse and help people. And I knew that I was mature enough and professional enough to deal with people in a professional manner and do what I say I was going to do and, and things like that. So for me, I almost went in and said, look, I'm brand new here, but I want to be an investor. I want to replace Nicholas wages. Let's do it. You know, and that authenticity really goes. So be authentic. Don't underestimate what current skills you already have and build on them. But yes, you need to learn about property, but that's only the knowledge bit. That's actually the smallest part of it. I love that. Very well said. And Rob, thank you so much for coming on the TED Talks podcast. If people want to get a hold of you, and I will put all of your, you know, uh, links and links to your books in the show notes, but what's the best way for people to get a hold of you? Uh, basically email. So it's Rob at, and I'm sorry it is quite long, but once it's in your machine, it's fine. It's Rob at perfecting, perfecting conversations with an S dot com. Rob at perfecting conversations dot com. More than happy to have a chat with people, you know, free, free consultation to see, you know, what their current challenges are and whether I can help them with it. Um, and you probably gather it's not a hard sell. I'm not into hard sells. It's uh, genuinely kind of help. And if so, let's, let's look at that. 
Amazing. Rob, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Been a pleasure. Thank you very much for inviting me. If you like this podcast, connect with Tej on Facebook, LinkedIn, and YouTube for more great content.